What is up, Fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I am your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as usual, is Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, Nano? What is up? What is up, Olin? Great to see you. Great to be here with everybody. Let's go. Coming off some fireworks from 4th of July and a firework banger of a card, UFC 290. Can't wait to jump in. And we got a little tough action. Let's go. Man, you ain't lying. And the tough action was all action tonight, in my opinion. I thought it was a fantastic episode. Absolutely. Also, just a big fan of Jason the Kid Knight. I love to see that guy fight, man. He's always fun. It's always great story. He definitely fall for the guys after they go into their background a little bit. Maybe I'm a sucker. Maybe I'm biased, but love a good story. Thought Landon was a good foe here. You know, we will obviously dive into it, but they do a great job piecing it all together. You want to root for both of them. And we'll obviously dive in here because, you know, there can only be one winner and one person moving on. And there, there is a loser. Be one. There only be one. Be one. Um, so, yeah, we'll go ahead and jump right into the, the UFC 290. And, and I will go ahead and echo on what you said here. Look, you're not a sucker. And if you are, I'm a sucker too, bro, because I always fall for these guys whenever they show their stories. I, I you just, you know, you, you get attached to them. I said this numerous times at International Fight Week in Vegas. Like, we were leaving in an Uber. And while we were leaving in an Uber, our Uber passes by Dean Thomas, who is waiting on an Uber at the other Uber station. Dude. And I, I was like, I was like, you guys, check it out. It's Dean Thomas. He's really uh, just like us. Uh, so, let's go. So like, you see these these things and like constantly you think to yourself like, wow, he's he's just like us. Like, he's just Literally. like me. Yep. Um, like really like they're, they're just down to earth, cool people. Um, and you realize it. And it makes like you said, it makes you fall for these people. Um still waiting on the day i get you to sign up for an mma gym of some sort and then you you really fall for the sport in that way oh i'll but, be there soon once we get through this wedding i think uh, that's probably number one on the agenda let's go let's go baby we ain't getting any younger absolutely um, so jumping right into ufc 290 um we won't go through every single fight but i mean most there, there wasn't a single fight in my opinion that was a dud um jumping into the early early prelims here just shout out to Jalen, who was with me watching the fights in, in Vegas. Um, he threw a quick parlay down right before the fight started on all four of the prelims. And what he did was he he bet all four favorites, um, two heavy favorites, two light favorites that were almost pickums. And man, it, it paid off. He turned 100 into 400 and something. Uh, so nice. Yeah, good for him. Cashed in. Uh, and man, Esteban Rebovic's incredible. Incredible decision over a very game Kamala Kirk. Um, won't spend a ton of time on that. I won't I won't ask you to break that one down. But the next one, 17-second knockout, second fastest knockout in flyweight history. Sheesh. I mean, the guy's name is Jesus, but I gotta say Jesus. Uh, oh my what goodness. A knockout. Yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? It was well, talk about a firework to start us off there, huh? Didn't take much once it landed home. Oh, good night. He literally right away. Like, I've shown you that before. And the way yep. that like you throw it like that with the flat side of the back or the, the flat back side of the fist covers more surface. And if you're sliding down, those two top hard knuckles hit and they just drag down across the, the jaw lining. That's exactly what happened. And um, you know, one of two things is gonna happen. Maybe two of two things is gonna happen. If you hit somebody at that trajectory and you slide those big knuckles down the jaw lining, again, either one of two things or two of two things. Here are those two things. You're either going to separate a man's jaw from the other part of it, or you're going to separate a man from consciousness. You may do both. Um, it, it looked like separated. maybe both happened. 
Yeah. Um, in any other any thoughts on uh, for you on Jesus Aguilar versus Shannon Ross and that 17 second KO? <laughs> like you said, man. I mean, we covered it all there. Right? I mean, a, a quick fight. Shannon didn't get a chance to show much, and there seemed to be a theme about just that opening. Uh, that opening exchange, right? You know, you're, you're excited, you know, it's all eyes are on you. You know, the UFC was filled at the start. So maybe the, the fighters were feeding off some of that energy and both of them are juiced up throwing everything they could. If you can make it out of that first exchange, you know, we saw some good fights, but other than that, it was, I think it was what four, maybe uh knockouts within like 30 seconds. So I think it was like the first time ever something crazy, right? There was definitely a lot of first round knockouts and there was a lot of them that were in, I think it was less than 40 seconds. Cause I know one of them was 38 seconds. One was 20 seconds. We'll talk about that 20 second one for sure, because man, that was definitely not something I think anybody was predicting would happen. Absolutely not. But yeah, Jesus showed uh, some, obviously some strength, right? Uh, I know somebody that again, with a good record at nine and two, uh, excited to see what's next for him. You know, I think that was definitely a statement. Didn't take any damage. I mean, Throw him back in there. Let's see what he's got. I mean, yeah, 100%. He was, he like you said, he took zero damage. He looked like an absolute stud in there. Um, man, <laughs> the guy just looked absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, zero damage. Rush him back in there. Maybe don't feed him to the top 15 quite yet, but um, it's not a super-duper stacked division or, or deep division for that matter. So he, he very well might have just earned himself a, a spot right outside of the top 15, in my humble opinion. He's right there. It's a short list for sure. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, like, realistically, I think that this kid is is well on his way to the top 15. Uh, can't wait to see who they match him up with next. And speaking of people, I can't wait to see who, who they match him up with next. Cameron Simon, Africa, stand up. Your boy got it done. Sheesh. Um, my God, man, this, this guy's a beast. And not only did it get it done, but something that I think is definitely noteworthy here, folks, um, like real talk, the guy got it done without committing any fouls this time around. Let's give him a round of applause. Like, like come about on. time. No, no nut shots, no fence grabs. Uh, I actually had made a side bet thinking that, uh, you know, saying that he would probably grab the fence twice and kick the nuts once. Uh, <laughs> none of those happened. I was actually happier to see myself be wrong than I, I would have been to see myself be right. What did you think of of that incredible performance by Cameron Simon? It was exactly that, right? No, uh, he showed no signs of weakness. He sh- he sh- uh, displayed no uh, shortage of wind underneath his sail. An impressive TKO finish on a Terrence Mitchell, Terrence Mitchell, who was coming in, didn't have a lot of fights as of recent, uh, but was a familiar name if you remember watching uh, the Ultimate Fighter series forget which season it was, but it was with Henry Cejudo. Um, and I'm blanking on the other coach's name there, but he was on that season and he did lose the Kai car of France. He actually got knocked out. It's who Megan Olivia's, uh, with Joseph Benavides. Benavides. Thank you. There it is. My God. I don't know why I my guy. remember that. Joseph on the tip of my tongue, a name that we Jiu haven't Jitsu. seen or said in a while. Absolutely. Joe Jitsu. He's been retired. Haven't seen him in a while. So kind of forgot the name there for a second, but he was on that season against Kai car. France was a loud mouth on the season and then ended up getting knocked out by Kai car. France. So 
Um, though I, I, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. I thought, okay, well, that's not too much of a knock. It was a long time ago. The dude's long. Maybe we could give Cameron Simon some range or be a decent test for him. But that was not the case. Cameron walked right through him, easily put him away. Almost looked like Terrence kind of his soul left his body a little bit in the sense of he gave up. His will left his body a little bit there. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll talk about uh, people not giving up, but definitely wills leaving their body for certain. Because um, that, that, I saw that happen quite a bit. It's quite, quite a number of times during UFC 290, folks. It was uh, it was a good night for knockouts. That, Where you, someone was getting, losing it, someone was receiving it, you know? And I think Cameron uh, definitely is going to take that uh, Infinity Stone, keep it moving. Frankly, I, I think he needs to step up. <laughs> I think he needs a, a step up in his talent level, though. If I'm, uh, in terms of his uh, fighters that he should be up against, let's increase the talent level a little bit there. Maybe not top 15, although I think he's making a case for it. He's undefeated. He has a name now. South Africa's, you know, has some momentum during this time. But again, I mean, hey, maybe someone in that top 20 to 30. I mean, why not? Throw him in Honestly, there. Honestly, like there's, there's really no reason not. I mean, he, I think he's proven himself to be a note, a notable opponent um, thus far. And, and again, like I just think there's really no reason not to give him a stud in there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, moving into the next one, we had Vitor Petrino coming in against Marcin Procnio. I know uh, Vitor Petrino had a hell of a, a, a performance here in this fight, but he definitely blew a lot of people's parlays um, because a lot of people parlayed him or, and or bet him by knockout, and he got his first career submission. Um, what the hell? Against a tough game fighter in Procnio, right? Someone that has 23 fights in there. Someone that you wouldn't think maybe would get tapped out, but yeah, here we are, right? And he won yeah. the exchanges in terms of the strikes, if you kind of look at it. Look at the numbers. Absolutely. And, and I mean, one thing that I think is definitely worth noting as well is the fact that Jesus uh, Aguilar, who got the, the what is it, 16-second knockout, he, uh, or sorry, 17-second knockout, that was his first professional knockout ever. Um, there we go. And talk about 17 uh, seconds. Talk about a couple MMA anomalies, huh? Hell yeah, baby. Let's go. We love it. We love MMA anomalies on this show, that's for sure. Um, speaking of which, got to meet Jens Pulver at uh, UFC Ooh. International Fight Week. Um, Sick. And I've Legend. chatted with him a couple times here on Twitch. If you're if you're watching on Twitch, nice, nice. Shout out, shout um, out. And uh, yeah, I've chatted with him a couple times on the UFC Twitch channel because he runs that channel, and he always mispronounces my name, and he's like MMA Anomaly. And uh, so I walked up to him and I was like, Hey, man. Always, always juice whenever you respond to me in the chat. And he's like, oh, who are you in the chat? And I was like, MMA Anomaly. He's all, man, thanks for telling me how to say the name right. <laughs> like, he remembered me, and like that made my whole week, man. That's um, great. You can't ask for much more. Honestly, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Everybody I met was just an absolute pleasure. Um, I'll, I'll definitely have to take some pictures of the merch that I got, because I, I feel like I had a pretty darn good haul. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, Vitor Petrino, submission, round three, three minutes and 42 seconds. Um, I'm not mad at it. It was a it was a hell of a submission. And I mean, Marcin Procnio, 16 and seven. I think it might be time to possibly hang him up or at the very least uh, transfer down to Bellator. Wouldn't be mad at it. Wouldn't be mad at it. Coming off, uh, off a couple losses here. He's 34 years old. Uh, granted, no, Vitor is a up and coming fighter. He's trending up. 
Um, well, I will say, you know, uh, Procneo did get a win there against William Knight, which I don't know how much credit we give him for that win because William Knight gave up maybe uh, two seconds into the fight. But um, Procneo, yeah, maybe greener pastures are ahead for him. Um, not sure what his contract looks like, but, you know, when you got these kind of guys up and coming like a Vitor who didn't even seem to be as polished as, you know, the record shows it's like it's not going to get easier right no it's it's definitely not going to get any easier like let's be completely honest call a spade a spade once you get to this point in competition this level in competition it it just continues to get harder and harder um that's facts you don't don't necessarily start fighting down either right like unless you have like catastrophic losses and i mean that that's the thing is everybody in this leg of the competition is going to be pretty darn good to be able to call themselves a ufc fight absolutely um so that does it for the early prelims moving into the prelims which again were absolute fire that jimmy was just Crute. the warm-up man jimmy crew versus alonzo menafield tell me how you thought that fight was gonna go i mean like we we already kind of broke it down obviously on the last episode but did you see it going that way we did uh consider it i felt like i considered it a pick i thought you know although menafield uh or alonzo like that name Felt like in that first fight, he had a path to win. He was on track to win. Got deducted a point, which made it a draw. So I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt there. Actually put Alonzo in my DraftKings card this past weekend. So had a little more faith in him. Like the like the price. But I thought there's maybe more passive victory. Even though he's older, I feel like... And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have said Jimmy Crew just because I like the kid. And I thought, hey, he's a little bit younger. Maybe he's going to show a little bit more in the gas tank. But that just wasn't the case. You know, Alonzo had more. Every, was it everything Jimmy had for him? Alonzo had a response. And then obviously getting that submission there. You even saw Jimmy Crew taking off the gloves. I had to double check and Google search if that was him retiring. That was not. Maybe just a little frustration in there. No one likes to get submitted like that. Um, I think he probably knew he made a mistake somewhere along the line. But curious to hear your thoughts because, you know, again, I might have been leaning Jimmy, but not surprised that Alonzo won at all. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I remember that breakdown just like it was a few days ago because it was. Um, yeah, you know, surprised I was originally, you do after that trip. <laughs> I'm telling you, there was a lot of drinking. Um, so I was originally leaning towards Jimmy Crew when I first started my portion of the breakdown in last week's episode. But halfway through my breakdown, I started going through the stats again uh, and basically sold myself on switching up my decision. And then I went Alonzo Menafield. And the point that I made was that in the previous fight, the brute himself, he shot for 12 takedowns and he only got six of them. And of those six takedowns, he was able to establish, I believe a little over three minutes of control, or sorry, a little over four minutes of control time. Meanwhile, Alonzo Menafield across from him shot zero takedowns and was able to establish one minute less control time. So, that tells me that he's more proficient at grappling. He's just choosing not to utilize it. Not surprised by any means that he got that submission in round two. Um, you know, Jimmy Jimmy was leaving himself in positions to to lose by submission, and so we we saw that take place. Um, again, not not overly shocked that that took place. Um, the next one, however, definitely shocked that that took place. I, I jokingly said that I was going to put uh, like hammer the line on Denise Gomes because it actually was pretty decent. And I didn't it was a good line. line. It, it was, was a good, good ass line. line. It was a good ass line in hindsight. Um, I should have hammered the hell out of One that of line. One of the bigger I lines. Not. I know yeah. it. So um, Denise Gomes was a, a pretty heavy underdog. And I mean, she came out there and she got it done in 20 seconds. She shot out of the gates like just a bat out of hell, man. 
Oh that my girl gosh. was throwing lead from the second the fight started. Her and Jesus must have caught the same bug, and it was the get them out of here bug because they yeah. were getting them out of here. <laughs> it was that we get paid by the by the job, not the hour. <laughs> yeah, by the second year, so we're getting rid of this. Phenomenal. I mean, what an upset, huh? What a Good freaking Lord. what's what leather she put on her, you know? And and I think there was maybe a little bit of questions if it was a early stoppage or not, but I mean. Come on. She was out of there. The only thing that, that was early was protection. It was early protection because that's all that happened is they saved it her was, from taking damage. Exactly. She she showed her heart. She ate those you know earlier punches. The first one startled her. By that second or third, you're looking at it like, ah, oh, she's getting in a compromised position. Now she's up against the fence. I this I, We know where this is going. She's not intelligently defending herself. She's got nothing yeah. for her at this point. Not trying to shoot yeah. a takedown. She's just eating them now. That, you know, going out on your shield, as you would say. But that was Denise Gomes, huh? No one uh, thought she was going to put that pressure on her. Huge underdog. And again, another quick KO. Phenomenal. Again, um, congratulations to Denise Gomes. Can't wait to see who they give her next. I think uh, I'll definitely be... T- or, sorry, I know I will definitely be tuning into that. Uh, moving into the next fight, we got the stud himself, Tatsuro Taira. The man, the myth, Sheesh. the upcoming legend. Dude, he, he put it on. Dog. Dog. 121 strikes to 26. That tells the story of the fight. It was pretty darn one-sided. Um, the significant strikes, though, I got to tell you, Edgar Chayrez, he was, everything he was throwing, he was throwing with lead. Because he, had he landed 26 and uh, 25 is significant. <laughs> I think he did hurt him at one point, maybe early in the first or second round there. And I thought, okay, that, that was something, you know. Uh, Tatsuro, again, usually just uh, motorboats his opponents. And I mean that in the way that, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way in the sense that he's just doing what he wants with them. You know, he's playing around with them. You know, they're built for speed, not for comfort. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was a, a good test early on. But after a while, I don't know if it was just kind of bad fight IQ, bad decisions, or just Tetsuro taking over and then having his way. But it did, did just kind of feel like, okay, this is, you know, Tetsuro just outclassed him. I think it's probably the best way I would put it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's the best way to put it. Being completely honest, um, he did right. He out, he outclassed him. He. I don't want to say that he made it look easy, but he made it look somewhat easy out there. Um, and again, I I don't want to say that I feel like he's going to continue to do this to everybody that he fights, but I do think he's going to continue to do this to most of the people that he fights. Um, that's the thing, huh? These young guys, man. They're 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 sharp. They're athletic, they're getting stronger, they're getting hungrier, and they're feeling more and more invincible each time they get a victory in there, you know? Yeah, Growing no, each and each, each time. Uh, yeah, I mean, seeing seeing a kid that's that talented at that young of an age and also this early in his career, dude, I mean, this this guy is... It's fun. It's phenomenal. It's great it's for fun. the sport. It's great for the sport. He's, he's like, the, the, he's the kind of fighter that breathes lifeblood into the sport. Absolutely. And again, get this guy, you know, a household name, get him on a main card, get him, uh, you know, another top contender. Let's start getting, you know, some of these top guys more in the limelight. You know, he has the record for it. Still only 23, so maybe he won't rush back in there. Yeah. Maybe wait for the right opponent. But man, let's again, I mean, I, I want to see, especially in that division, right? I mean, even someone earlier as a Jesus Aguilar had a, a phenomenal knockout. There seems to be a lot of fireworks in that division. Let's let's get it going. You know, a division that was once on the brink of not really even being around. Let's uh, let's get these stars out in, in the limelight a little bit, huh? 
Come on, Dana. I mean, you're not lying, man. And he's he's also a Japanese fighter, which I mean, not to play the race card, but if if you're another race and you're from another country where UFC doesn't have a huge foothold, what are we doing? Oh, here? Pump them, pump them, come on. Pump those people up, bro. That's that's money in the bank. Yeah, and it's not just money for today. That's for money him. for the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you have a whole country waiting for him. A whole country waiting to get behind him. And, and speaking of a whole vast group of population waiting to get behind somebody. Oh man. The, the whole nation one. of the whole Robbie nation Lawler. of human, human mankind, baby. Let's go, bro. Bro, thirty-eight seconds. What a performance! Did Robbie he not look tough as nails in there? Lawler. Did he not look strong? Did he just Dude, not look invincible? I was worried. I was terrified. the the whole The whole week, I was terrified for this fight more than any other fight. Uh, and, and you know, like the the worst thing about it is he got inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. The day before, two days before he fought, in you his don't see retirement that often. Huh? How you often never is that? see that. That's not even a thing. Yeah, that's so, that like, literally that's not doesn't even a thing. Like I can't imagine getting rewarded for my my work, my achievements in this career that I'm still fighting in and having my final my final showdown in on two days later. Like he was like tearing up on stage. I know. And, like, I know. It's like, dude, bro, how's this guy gonna fight on Saturday? Oh well, he showed us, and he <sighs> didn't need very long to do it. Mr. Stoic, man, Ru- uh, ruthless Robbie Lawler, ruthless. Uh, I mean, just hell of a career. The longevity, the fights he's put in there. Again, Mr. Stoic was finally showing some emotion, but boy, does he! I mean, just the definition of a brawler, man. Someone that goes in there, left it all out there, and by far, I mean, the best ending of a career that you can ask for, right? Like we mentioned, I mean, you were there at uh, International Fight Week. You're watching all these festivities. You're watching a Jose Aldo walk down the aisle getting his Hall of Fame jacket. You're watching Robbie Lawler do that same walk, right? I mean, it's the nostalgia. You're literally getting your gold jacket, right? As you're preparing, as you're cutting weight, you're going through the press conference, you're getting a roaring crowd in there everywhere you go. Autographs. I mean, a bunch of buzz in the city in general. I can only imagine what, you know, it was like uh coasting off into the sunset while on the backs of just the entire MMA community, man. We loved it. A little bit of sad, bittersweet, but uh, boy, did he look good. And I think the way he did it was kind of in a big brother fashion, right? It's like, you know, 41 years old to know, hey, I was still able to put out some of the young guns in there. Got him in that, again, that father-like bear hold choke and just landed some heavy uppercuts and heavy bombs, man, that just... And like he said, just right in the right spots, put around the temple, put around his chin, and you know, put him to bed. Been doing it for twenty plus years now. Ain't nothing yeah. new. I mean, for for those of you that didn't get to see it, uh, obviously, I'm not trying to get you know the D the DCMA or DMCA strike or whatever it's called. Uh, so this is what it looked like. Literally, fight starts. Robbie Lawler gets him in a tie style clinch. Let's go with one hand, old style. Throws hook, 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 uppercut, and that's it. That's all she wrote, ladies and gentlemen. And the uppercut was so crisp. And, and let me tell you, it's not the hardest, strongest, fastest ones that get you. It's the ones you don't see coming. And when you hit me three times here, what I'm not expecting is here. I'm expecting a fourth one here or maybe one to switch up here, but not here. Okay. So, um, hey, Arthur, let's go, baby. He's late, What's but up, on baby? time. Uh, so we were just talking about that brilliant knockout from Robbie Lawler. My goodness. What an exit, man. Outside Honestly. of, uh, you know, being in the NBA or being in the NFL, outside of winning a Super Bowl or a championship, 
I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? I mean, hard to be champion and, and retire out on your shield in the UFC. I'll drink to that. Not a boy. That, that's nearly impossible, right? You don't see that too often unless you're a GSP. Um, but again, for Robbie to go out like that, I mean, that's as good as it gets in the UFC sport, in my opinion. I mean, it doesn't get any better. You, you can't draw it up better. You can't. You literally cannot write it better. You can't make this stuff up, man. And I love how he actually got emotional when he uh, was showing the throwback pictures or video clips of him with the hair. I think that was what finally got him was uh, him seeing that scalp like, oh, man, that was a little baby lawler in there, baby brawler. That's exactly what it was like, uh, Hato. The Chris Lieben KO over Wanderlei was very, very similar. The only difference is Lieben actually took some damage in that fight and Robbie took zero damage in this fight, like zero whatsoever. Um, Yeah. And you love to see it, especially as his last fight. The fact that he went in there and took less damage than he's ever taken in any fight in his entire life. Like, again, you can't script it better than that, kids. That's just like it's phenomenal. It's love fantastic it. to see. Um, moving into the main card. Let's go. Bo Nichols started things off with a bang. Um, honestly, Val Woodburn, I hammered the line on because he was the biggest underdog in UFC history. Hard not to hammer the line on that. Those That's a, that's a line worth hammering. That's fair. Um, but what I did not expect was Bo's ability to get in and out of the pocket, land dam- or get in the pocket, land damage, and then get out of the pocket without, honestly, even a, a half second for Val to, to even contemplate throwing a shot or dealing damage in return. And and he got he made it happen numerous times. Jumped into the pocket, throws a quick hook. Jumps out of the pocket, jumps back in the pocket, throws a quick hook, and then... Other side, that's how I ended up getting him. Um, one thing I will say is if he fights a very proficient striker, that same kind of shuffle in out movement can get him caught. Um, but they'll have to be fucking fast, man. Like that kid is quick. <sighs> yes, he is. He is explosive, isn't he? He's I mean, and like so you said, explosive. the way he was able to jump in and out, hop, skip in and out of range. That's those are moves, and and I was uh, uh, contributing it to his wrestling pedigree. Thinking, okay, just knowing your spacing, yeah, having that explosiveness, knowing, how, you know, having the footwork, knowing how to be have your body explode, your hips, being in putting yourself in certain positions. But the way he was also moving his head, getting off the center line, you know, moving backwards, just outside of reach of a Val Woodburn, an opponent he just, you know. Found out he was fighting within 48 hours, so not a lot of time to prepare. But he showed a lot of comfort on the feet and hit him with some hard, heavy strikes. Obviously, put him on skates, as we all saw, which is a you know a, a, a TikTok viral-worthy finish for our boy Bo Nickel here. Um, but, that man, yeah, his speed impressed me, his head movement. Um, all credit goes to Val, though, for taking the fight on short notice. I don't think he loses any stock here. But I think Bo, he proved, man, it, it, there's levels. His striking... Very, very impressive to me. And and again, I curious to hear your thoughts here on if you're the UFC, who do you who do you put him up against, or if you're hit, uh, Bo, who do you want to try to um, go up against? I have a couple names that are interesting to me that are outside the top fifteen, but are in the top twenty five. Like their names are people, they're fighters now. But what I'm do you be, think? I'm going to be an absolute wild man here, and I'm going to say we skip all the all the semantics. Give this guy a top fifteen fighter. There's just no reason not to. Um, oh. In my humble opinion, there's just, there's just no reason not to. I, I think I'd love to see him fight a Chris Curtis. I mean, he just destroyed Chris Curtis's training partner. Um, Shoot, he was in the corner, huh? 
Kelvin Gastelum is another good option. Nasser Nenimovov, I think, matches up really, really well against Bo. Uh, you know, the fact that they both have really stunning wrestling could be really fun. Wow. How about that, huh? Then he's in there. Then he's a fight or two away from getting the Kamzad or a, a Desanya. Ah, man, baby. that's interesting. I mean, hey, I, I wouldn't argue it. I guess, do you think that's smart for the UFC? Meaning, like, you think he beats those guys? I think he stands, I think he stands a chance. Um, <sighs> I, I think, I mean, Chris Curtis has a chance to knock him out. Let's be completely honest. Let's a lot of those guys do. That's the thing. These guys can put hands um, on him now. Yeah, like you said, because I mean, like, he did show, although he looked good moving in and out, I mean, if if a good striker comes in and and is maybe throwing caution to the wind or just and if you like, get past putting those pressure. Guys, like, unless you get pole vaulted to the top five, there are still the Brendan Allens of the world that I think are very Those guys are talented as all hell, man. I, I know, man. bad style matchup for Bo. He's long, yeah. he's lanky, um, he's long, he's strong, he's down to get the friction on. Uh, as as Great you know, song. Sir Mix-a-Lot said, yep. I think B. Allen is a bad matchup for him. There's a number of people that I think are very, very poor matchups for him. Um, Sean Strickland, I think the sprawl and brawl ability that he has and the the jab would keep him at bay, and he can also take a hell of a punch. I think he'd be a great test, but he, he, Bo's not there yet, right? Um, maybe if Bo destroys Chris Curtis in a fight, then he calls out the the training partner and Sean Strickland and says, I'm coming for the whole gym, right? Like, that's an easy name wow. to make. That's a fun yeah. one. UFC, hire your boy. Um, Sheesh. I got a couple names as well if if we're not uh, in the top yeah, let's 15 hear yet. Let's hear him. Uh, and Bo Nickel, I guess uh, uh, Daniel Cormier was trying to coin Bo Nickel as a, the blue chip. as maybe his nickname because he doesn't have one yet. So the blue chip here going up against the natural Kyle Barajo. 30 years old, 14 and one. One of the biggest names I feel like outside of the top 15 in this division. I, I met him. I met him on uh, Thursday. How was that? At the Hall of Fame. He was super dope. He stopped to take He's a handsome devil and he's freaking pretty buff. Yeah, he was wearing like the big sunglasses and he's Jack, nice. Jack City. He's Jack City, dude. Yeah. That's a fun one. Big name. Again, you, maybe you look at it as a top prospect eliminator fight um, against that's someone that's right that on I, the brink. So you asked me, do I think that's wise for the UFC to do? Putting him in the top fifteen quickly, I do think it's I think it's wiser than putting him against a Cal Barrio. because Kai Barrio because you don't like, want to kill two shooting stars. You don't want to kill two stars, and Kai's a fucking star, dude. Kaio is a star in the making. He's fun. He's a and fun he one. Brings like we were talking about with one of the other fighters previously. Like he brings another country with him. True. Like a whole country of fans, and like he's a Brazilian fighter right now. No offense, but Brazil has seen kind of a falling from grace as far as him. I mean, they got a little bit of recovery, though. They got their boy now. They do. They definitely do. Which we'll do. chat about. But, yeah, hey, I mean, with Kayo, he's 30 years old. I mean, I'm sure he's looking to itch into that top 15. If he can't get it, I mean, Bo's as good as the, as good as gold. Right? He's the next best thing. Maybe even better. It's like, do you want to go top 15 or do you want Bo? I'm probably going Bo. Because then, you know, that puts you right in that conversation. Anthony Hernandez was another name. Yep. Was another name that I had written down, aka Fluffy. Fluffy. Uh, 29 years old, 11 and 2. Beat another prospect who the UFC was pumping up in Edmund Shabazian, who I was a fan of. But, you know, hey, he he was the uh, the hype killer. So maybe the hype train stops here with a guy like him as well. Hold on. Oh, there we go. There we go. But, but like, do you really want to see Bo Nickel fight Arnold, uh, Arnold Allen? Or sorry, Brendan Allen, because I think that's a terrible style matchup for Bo. 
Because he's one of the few guys that I think in the division, if he gets taken down, you he can actually maybe make holds that his a, own pretty well yeah, on his back. You can, you can maybe make that a fight night. Brendan's oh, that, fun. Oh, that's it. That's a fucking fight night headliner, bro. Absolutely, you can make that a fight night headliner. But what's his face said he's only fighting on uh, on pay-per-views, right? Or was it that he's not fighting on prelims? Who said that, Bo or Brendan? Bo, Bo. That's why they pushed his first fight back, because they originally scheduled him on the prelims, and he wasn't having it. I mean, yeah, he's used to he's the diva. bright lights. He's ready. He's, I mean, he's, he's ready. He's ready, though. Let's be yeah. honest. He's he's ready for the bright lights because he's been in the bright lights for some time. Um, Anthony Hernandez, I really really like that name. Um, Jack Hermanson, I think you know, slow down. That's that's a bit too fast, just because like the name, and he's also number ten. Like you don't want to feed him to number ten quite yet without having have, ever having faced a top fifteen. I think Andre Munez is a really good one. I, I just think that's fucked up to Andre because like. <laughs> Poor the guy. Kid, the kid just doesn't get any breaks in the UFC. Um, Curtis, we there is a that. narrative. There, like you said, there yeah, is. I a think path that Curtis is can... the easiest narrative. It's like Izzy versus uh, the African guy, um, DDP. Oh There's man, can't there. wait to die. Can't wait to digest that one. My oh, goodness, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get canceled whenever I repeat the speech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a time! Um, what a time to be alive! But yeah, some great fights out there to be had. Absolutely. And another banger that we have here. This whole card. Let's go. This whole main card was sick. Jalen, the Tarantula Turner coming in against Dan, the Hangman Hooker. My God. What a fight. I mean, they, dude, Dan Hooker had a, what, a broken hand or, or something like that and uh, went in there and still threw 172 strikes. Yeah. Suffered that broken wrist sometime in the first within the first couple of minutes, I believe he said. Oh, sorry, real uh, quick. An interesting name is Eric Anders. I wouldn't be mad at that either. Eric Anders oh, versus fun. Bo Nickel would be a good test for Bo. Um, a couple so Americans sorry. going at it. So continue. Um, yeah, I mean, he had the broken arm. wrist, and then he broken also had a broken wrist. face. He also had a broken face, which, uh, as Dan Hook would say, is uh, just a couple of scratches, eh? Yeah, just a couple of scratches, eh? Um, my God, dude. Easy one of the best fights of the night, though, huh? Oh, absolutely. Back and forth banger from start to finish. I literally tweeted that during the fight. Like, um, it was just back and forth action. And we love to see back and forth action a lot better than one sided action. That's for damn sure. Um, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, I don't really have much else to say other than it was extremely entertaining. Um, it showed that Jalen Turner is not the kryptonite for city kickboxing fighters at his weight class. Uh, do we know why Turner missed weight? We don't. Um, I will say that he, he, he looked really good in the fight and I thought that he was going to start to slow down later in the fight with his gas tank because he missed weight. That didn't really seem to be too much of an issue in my opinion, but um, maybe, maybe he had something going on that limited him in camp. Good point. It could have been an injury. Yeah. It could have just been the way could him being a, a six, three guy, a bigger framed fighter getting down to one fifty five. Maybe that's riding on the walls for him. If he's going to continue to have this, I've never heard of him having issues, but he's never I mean, missed if you're missing before. by three pounds. That's that's tough. There was no indications before. Technically, it was only two because you have the two. one pound leeway. So it's gotcha, two gotcha. pounds over the cutoff. Two but, pounds but over. still three pounds. Um, it is tough. And, and I mean, like, it's one thing if you miss by, like, that one pound over the threshold. But, man, two, three pounds, that's rough. And hmm. it sucks even more when you lose a fight so you get half your paycheck. And on top of that, you have to give 20% of that paycheck to the opponent because you missed weight. Yeah, and you look darn good too. You know, I mean, it was just one of those things where Jalen, as much as he was trying to, you know, have his way with Dan, Dan had a, a, a response for everything he was throwing his way. 
you know, in terms of uh, weathering the storm, you know, Jalen put it on him pretty early, but Dan <laughs> gripped down on his on his mouthpiece and said, "No, not, I'm not going down without a fight." Yeah, I may have lost in the past. Yeah, you know, my record's up and down, but he's been in there against everybody. I mean, his his pedigree, his his octagon experience, his war time, I think was the the X factor here, and it showed. He really started to to just. It felt like just take over, right? I mean, there were even exchanges. The naked eye, as I'm watching it, I'm I'm looking like, okay, Jalen feels like he's winning. Ooh, but Dan, ooh, but that looks like that's more. He's moving forward still. Ooh, that that shot looked like it was heavier than Jalen's shots are. Jalen's getting tired. Dan just started to. It felt like uh, Jalen started to sink in the quicksand. That was uh, Dan, the hangman hooker there. Oh, I don't know if I can hear you, brother. You muted. Sorry about that. Amateur hour here. I was on mute. Um, I was just over here laughing at the fact that uh, Arthur caught an ad. Happens to the best <laughs> of us. Um, but, you know, we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, this too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, man, Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. Again, absolutely incredible fight in the lightweight division. What is next for... Dan Hooker. I mean, he's up two slots today as as per the rankings. Jalen Turner's down one from 11th to 12th. Dan Hooker uh, went from 12th to 10th. Personally, I mean, again, I, I like seeing Dan Hooker in these fights where he's able to stand up and bang a little bit. Um, I feel like I keep going to the well with this name, but Rafael Faziv oh, would be, be fun. a really fun opponent for him. Really fun striking match. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be a really, really fun one. And, and that's the, I mean, that's really, it's a short list of people that we're talking about here for Dan Hooker, right? Yeah, he's ranked number 10, but that top five is crowded. It's it's a lot of familiar names for him that he's literally fought already or the, just people that are already booked or just coming off fights. So timing is everything as well. But I do like that name. I, I was looking at it a little differently. I, I do honestly agree with someone like Fasiv. I think that would be the fight I'd sign up for and be super excited about. Um even someone like an RDA, but again, knowing that Dan Hooker is going to be out for <laughs> with a broken face and a broken wrist, we're talking probably we won't see him again this year. That's probably a fact, right? We, I mean, we're thinking. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Maybe loser of Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. So maybe a throw. Yeah, maybe maybe a look at it that way is ooh Moicano is another interesting name. Oh, yeah, Moicano wants money. I like I like Renato. He's a fun fighter, man. I mean, and and two names that are in that same range for Dan. Curious to see again the timing of it, but an Armand Sarukian, right? There was a little bit of verbal back and forth, I think, between them. Ooh, um, he was ranked a little Dawson bit higher. Also, just got thrown into the chat. Uh, Ooh, by not a that's not a bad call either. It's a good big name for Dawson. If Hooker's willing to fight backwards to an extent, I think that's a really good matchup too. But I do really like what Key I said. Hooker versus Moicano, I think, would be that'd be a fun one. That's a fan fight, man. Like that's a yeah. fight where the fans would definitely win. And also, thank you for joining us today, Kia. We appreciate you, brother. Great to see you, brother. Yeah, it's busy up top. You know, I mean, there's so many wrestlers, right? I mean, everyone surrounded by Dan Hooker, you know, Gamrot, Sarukian, Dawson. A lot of these guys are maybe a little bit more uh, wrestler heavy, not as much known for their striking. Um, so I, I guess I, I agree, man. I think that might be the move, Renato. Throw this guy a bone. He was supposed to fight pretty recently against Armand, but he had to pull out. So maybe he's healthy now, or maybe he needs a little more time to recover. Maybe he'd be willing to wait for someone like a Dan Hooker, a legend in the in the division, and Absolutely. a fan favorite. 
a, definitely a fan favorite. Like I said, that would that would just be a fight where I know, like, I don't know who would win the fight, but I know that the fans would enjoy it. Um, yeah, Move, moving on uh, down down the line here, we had a middleweight banger, Robert the Reaper Whitaker coming in against DDP, Africa's very own South Africa. Stand up, your boy got it done. Um, round two, two minutes twenty three seconds in. Um, you know, I, I joked about this, but it was only half joking guys. Like I genuinely said, and again, I can speak to this. Like I can't breathe out of my nose guys. It fucking sucks. It's the worst. Like went to jujitsu today for the first time and like pretty much ever. Cause I only did like Muay Thai and that kind of stuff. But the guy had us doing like breathing drills in between. And he's all in through your nose for four seconds out through your nose for four seconds. And I'm like, I'll try the next technique coach. Cause I can't do this one. <laughs> um, but like real talk, if you can't breathe out of your nose, it's severely inhibiting, especially if you are wearing a mouthpiece, which again, makes it hard to breathe. So this young man saying that he was only able to draw in 8% oxygen through his nose before this surgery that he just recently got. If that's legitimate, boy, I'm here to tell you that that's going to make a difference. And it looked like it did. He didn't look gassed at any point in time during the fight. He didn't look sluggish like he usually does. Um, he is big and and just built like a, a brick shithouse, like if we're being honest. He looks photoshopped. Like when Mary saw him on the scale, she's like, fuck, I might bet DDP on my card. He looks great. Uh, and and that's, she's a Whitaker family. She loves Whitaker. But she knew, like, you look at this guy and he just looks like a specimen. He's a work of art. Um, and I say that as a straight heterosexual man, but God, he's fucking beautiful, man. He's crazy. His physique, I don't know how the heck, he's like Pereira. I don't know how they squeeze into that 185 uh, division here, but that kind of frame. I mean, his width, his diameter, dude's built different, man. He's an ox for sure. Where does he lose the weight from to make weight? I don't know, but he did talk about... There's a bunch of uh, interviews I've been seeing pop up on social media, and he had an answer just talking about the South African cuisine. And as I started to look up pictures of it, I thought, well, you know what? I I don't know much about it, but if anything, it looks like it's probably high in protein, I would assume. (laughs) It looks very much rich in something. I don't know. I just It just was funny to me to hear him say that, so... Something in the food there, huh? I mean, yeah, fair play. Fair play to him. Um, and I mean, yeah, like the, the guy's, again, he's built like a fucking ox. But the the thing that was most significant to me in this fight is, um, and I've actually never noticed this before, but then afterwards I went back and I started looking at some of Whitaker's old fights and he's not really a big volume fighter at all. Like he typically throws between 30 and 70 strikes a fight. And that's even if fights go the full 15 to 25 minutes. Um He's just not a super crazy volume striker. Whereas DDP is willing to just rush forward, throw strikes. And if the first 10 fell to hit, like, and I'm not saying he's like Jason Knight, who we'll talk about later in the tough fight tonight. Um, he's not someone like him that's coming in with these like crisp, brisk combos, like nonstop, just flowing on you. But he'll come in and throw a one, two, take a step back. And then, a one four and, and then take a step back, you know, and then double up on one side, double jab and then throw across, you know, but whatever. He's not throwing crazy, like 20 shot combos. He's not throwing crazy 30, 40 shot combos or even five shot combos. He's not like one, two, one, two, three, but he'll do it the entirety of the fight. So he ends up landing like 60, 70, 80 strikes across a 15 minute fight. And that adds up, dude, <laughs> that's up quite a bit. Uh, and, and we saw that against his opponent and Robert Whitaker, like, 74 to 32 strikes. Again, you're landing two to one, more than that. 
Um, they went, they both went one for one on takedowns. I don't think either guy was really able to establish a ton of control on top, which was pretty impressive again for both guys because Whitaker really solid grappler DDP built like a fucking specimen. So if that guy gets on top of you, good luck. Earn my respect, right? I mean, he got that takedown sort of in response to Whitaker's takedown in that yep. first round, which I felt really helped kind of edge out the round to feel a little bit closer, maybe even win over the judges a little bit if you're if you were on the fence. Uh, but boy, did he look strong, giving him that kind of judo, uh, you know, uh, turnover or, you know, flop onto the ground there. Uh, but yeah, man, DDP looks strong. I think what was interesting uh, after like watching it a couple of times is, like you said, Robert Whitaker although he has some fun strikes and he mixes them up really well, sort of meat and potatoes. Like he's going to give you the one, two, maybe mix in a couple kicks or take it down. He does a really good job blending it all together. Not a high octane guy, nothing like that, but we've, we're used to seeing him go 25. So never seen him lose a gas tank by any means, but boy, was it interesting seeing a Dricus Duplessis go in there, weather the early storm, be able to stuff the takedowns, Hit him with some heavy strikes in that in that southpaw position, and it got me thinking too. I was uh, talking with some of the guys. I'm like, man, like seeing a big, like strong guy in that southpaw, like me being right hand dominant and and used to boxing, you know, kind of orthodox. I, I thought, man, there is something to that stance, and and the way he hit Rob square on the in the uh, in the sniffer. You know, but the way it startled him, right? You, you've seen Drickus do that to other people. We've never seen him do that to someone like a Rob, and we've never seen Rob hurt like that, right? I mean, maybe the first time he fought Izzy was when we really saw him stunned, but this is the only other time, and that was, what, seven years ago? So crazy to think that, not seven years ago, I, I sound crazy. When he uh, lost, when Robert lost Izzy, it was maybe four or five years it ago. It was like but, three, I, I want to say like three, maybe four years ago, but yeah, I mean, like, he to 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 uh, Blackado's point, like Yoel did rock him, but he didn't come close to finishing him like that. And I mean, like the recovery time of of Whitaker has always been really really good. He's getting up there in age, um, and I've always said this, and, and I'm not trying to take credit for the line. Maybe somebody else has said it before me, but it is something that I firmly believe in. So I will say it again here right now: the chin, the jaw, the 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 knockout or or unknockout ability that you possess. It's like a milk carton. And you know, when you take a milk, a milk carton out of the fridge and you know, maybe you pour some in your coffee and then you forget it on the counter for an hour. Well, you can take a day off of that milk expiration date because you just took time off it by leaving it out, right? The only difference between a milk carton and a chin is instead of leaving it out to, to weaken or take time off of that, you get knocked out or you take repeated damage to one side of it. So if you've been knocked out hella times or if you've been rocked hella times to to your point uh, about Whitaker, it's only a matter of time until that expiration date starts to creep up on you. And then once you start actually getting knocked out, Whitaker, or sorry, um, Adesanya, DDP, it's only a matter of time before other lesser than fighters are going to start being able to actually put it on you and knock you out as well. That's not to say that Bobby Knuckles should retire or step away from the sport. I still think he's a stud and has tons left to offer. But something to look out for for sure if we see him start to get knocked out again and again the expiration date might have already passed or might be very close uh and you don't want to wait until that milk's spoiled because that milk is your fucking brain so moving into another thing that black Otto said real quick bobby knuckle style hasn't changed he's just always been a step ahead of everybody mainly because of footwork and head movement 
DDP closed the gap on that step and Robert had nowhere to go. I couldn't agree more. I feel Facts. like Whitaker has always been a step ahead of people and he's used his footwork and his athleticism to his advantage. He's a natural born athlete. You can see it. He used to play rugby. Um, and he, he's just an absolute stud. Like he was playing rugby for the first few years that he was fighting in MMA and uh, until he finally started focusing on MMA as his, his passion sport. That being said, again, very rudimentary, very meat and potato style of fighting and, and striking, but he blends it together very well, right? Like a good chef will tell you, you don't need a thousand crazy ingredients to make a brilliant meal. You just need a handful of really good ingredients and the proper technique on how to blend them together the correct ways, how to make them complement each other. Robert Whitaker doesn't have the best footwork in, in, in middleweight. He doesn't have the best striking in middleweight. He doesn't have the best power in middleweight. He doesn't have the best grappling in middleweight. The fact of the matter is, nothing about him is the best at middleweight. But his ability to tie all things together is, is amongst the top in the middleweight division and in MMA uh, in, in previous years. So, big fan of Rob. But, boy, DDP put it on him. And he put it on him bad. Yeah. Uh, Curious to hear who you think should be next for uh, DDP. I mean, and and just again reiterate everything you said. I mean, Drake's duplicity looked phenomenal. I mean, his his ability to weather the storm, his ability to take control of the fight, make Rob feel uncomfortable, and he was so darn strong. And I think he was using that body to kind of roll with punches, avoid damage. I mean, he looked clean after. And again, his heavy hands. Going to the body, obviously putting that you know initial jab right on him to the nose, and then putting him away right on the chin. I mean, just man, it was it was a, a beautiful performance by Drake Estupasi. Earned my respect and earned the respect of the world, and obviously got Izzy's attention. I think we all saw the spectacle after the fight there with Izzy running in the cage. I thought uh, Dana said he wasn't going to do that after the Sugar Sean Aljo little fiasco, another cringy uh, exchange there, but. Boy, was that interesting, you know, uh, seeing Izzy stalking. I'm like, okay, this will be fun. This will be fun. Maybe Joe will keep control of things here. Uh, but no, that thing went south real quick. I, I think that that's, that's the fight to make, right? I guess the question is, is, is does Drickus do plus C take it in nine weeks to fight Izzy in, uh, I think the girl, they're in Australia, right? Nine weeks. Is it? Yeah, I think Australia? so. Um, I mean, he could, he, I would want a full fight camp if I'm him. I wouldn't rush it. Um, I've got to argue with the Black Cotto here. In the chat, he said he might have the best one-two head kick in middleweight. I think I think Stylebender has a better one-two head kick. I mean, by far. Yeah. Uh, it just comes off faster. And I mean, like, speed speed kills. So uh, that's, that's my pick. Uh, so again, he, he blends his together a little bit more, but it's still not the best. And I agree with Cousin Cav TV. That would be a mistake to rush that fight camp. You want to take the full fight camp to train and prepare to fight Izzy. Like, you don't... Oh, you say you take it in nine weeks? I would wait, man. I don't know. If, if, if I'm if him... If your number's called, you, you you can't say no, right? I mean, if you're I mean, offered it, you take it, but... That's fair. Yeah. And he, they did move him up four spots in the rankings. He's officially number one at middleweight, DDP. So there's nowhere else but up for our guy, right? Yeah, I mean, unless you want to fight Alex Pajeda, which there's really just no reason to, because that guy's trying to fight a light heavyweight. And he's so, already got Jan. Yeah, he's already moving on up. So yeah, I, I mean, and, and then the worst thing there. is, like, what's next for Robert Whitaker? Like, Roman Delize? That's what's tough, right? I think if you're Rob, maybe you take a little time off. You know, you're 32 years old. Um, 
you know, you, you've been you've been on the grind for a while, and he's someone that it feels like he he knows he doesn't have anything left to prove. You know, I, I hate to, I would hate to see him go. I think he still has some great fights he can put on for us fans. Uh, he's still a top two, three guy at that weight in the world at all times, no doubt about it. But when you look, it's like he's already beat Jared. He's already beat Marvin. I mean, I guess Sean Strickland, as 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 frustrating as that opponent would be, it'd be a fun one. That certainly would yeah, be a headliner. Watch. I'd watch fun, it. One fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, that's probably it, right? I mean, if you're Sean, you'd want to fight a Rob. Rob's a staple in your division. That's a, a legend. But real quick, Sean Strickland is fucking huge. He yeah, was one of the fighters boy. that was like misleadingly large in person. Oh, well, dude, he, he, yeah, he looks big. He's very big. That man is huge. I'll send you a picture of me next to him uh, once I get him. Oh, yes, please do. Jaylen. Send me all the pictures. Yeah, I'm still waiting to get them all from Jalen, but once I get them uh, sent, I'll, I'll send them your way. Dude, like, he's huge, and his hands are massive. Um, was That was one of the people I was super shocked by. I would definitely be happy to see him fight against Whitaker, but, man, I think Izzy versus DDP is going to be a big, big headline fight. It's going to be phenomenal, man. And all the what do you think of uh, the Octagon little exchange and just sort of the... I don't want to call it backlash because Dana doesn't think it's anything, but just what did you think of just the exchange there and some of the hype behind that fight now? Man, um, <clears throat> my my skin is just a couple shades too light for me to actually say much of what was said in the in Octagon Exchange between um, Adesanya and uh, DDP. Um, that being said, I, I thought that, honestly, it, it should have stopped like 10 seconds in versus going on and dragging on nearly as much as it did drag on. I thought it was a bit much. I thought, um, like, Adesanya just to, to take a step back and, and relax. Like, there's really no reason for him to be, you know, being all crazy like that. But the biggest thing that I took away from the entire exchange, I actually thought DDP won it. I mean, you have this this guy that's supposed to be the champ. He's jumping in your face. He's being pretty childish, uh, especially with the language choice. And uh, he keeps calling you the N-word, calling you his brother over and over again. And the one thing you take the mic to say is, I'm African, but I ain't no brother of yours, son. Um, I thought that was pretty fucking hard. That was solid. He definitely he stayed cool, calm, collected. DDP did uh, in that exchange. <laughs> I you, just Kev. got the pass, pre- you guys. I can say the word. <laughs> appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Kev. That's hilarious. Oh, man. I mean, you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, man, I, I, Izzy's my favorite fighter. He's one of the best of all time. I mean, I'll, I love I'll, Izzy. I'll, he's never going to lose a fan in me. If he gets any hate, then screw him. Like Dana White said, I mean, Izzy's black. He can say what he wants. Who cares? Racial undertones. Get out of here, man. He's, they're fighters. They're promoting the fight. DDP did poke the bear a little bit. Yeah, he messed with the bull. You get the horns, man. That, that's what they say. So I'm excited for that fight. If it happens in nine weeks, I mean, it's only going to favor Izzy that much more. But all things considered, and and Izzy actually reposted his exchange with uh, Casa the other day. It might look something similar to that fight. Another big uh, brute who looks the part, who talks the talk, but uh, doesn't walk the walk, you know? The only difference is he just has fine cuisine. No secreted juice. <laughs> no secret juice. No wine <laughs> in that in the that fight camp. Yeah, no. He, instead of wine, he just drinks the blood of his enemies. Uh, <laughs> South, in South Africa. Um Honestly, I think that that fight's going to be a banger no matter what. I do. I, I could see it going very similar to the way that Paulo Costa versus Adesanya went. Um, but I mean, like, like real talk. I just, I, I think 
there's not a ton of tape on DDP and there's just a lifetime of tape on Adesanya. So Adesanya is at a disadvantage. I wouldn't be rushing for this fight if I was him. Uh, that being said, at the same time, there's there's the flip side of that coin where you do want to rush this fight. You do want to fight him as soon as you possibly can because the last thing you want to do is let this guy get better. And he just seems to keep getting better. And that's a scary prospect. That's true. Yeah. I mean, again, all, all this, you know, led to, to this uh, accumulation, right? And again, off a big victory like that, I mean, that's... He made the statement in the octagon too. It's not just the Absolutely. talk. He he made a statement putting out a guy who is not that beatable. Uh, completely unbeatable by people that aren't named uh, Israel Adesanya. And I got to completely agree with Cousin Kev here. If he didn't say all the things he said about being the only African fighter, or the first African-born champion that breathes African air, wakes up in Africa, fights in Africa, trains in Africa, etc. He wouldn't be in this fight. Race does sell fights. It's the same reason that Colby Covington was going to get cut from the UFC, found out by his manager the night before his fight in Brazil against a Brazilian. And what does he do? He goes in there. He beats the brakes off the Brazilian. He's getting cheered by the Brazilian crowd. And then he grabs the mic and says, Brazil, you're an absolute dump, you animals. And then just literally insults an entire culture, country, and race. But then what happened? Now everybody knows who the fuck Colby Covington is, and he's a household name in the UFC. Nobody knew who he was before then, unless you're like me and you watch all the early prelims. So race, unfortunately, does sell fights. Um, anger sells fights. Hate sells fights. And for lack of a better word, man, putting your dick out and, and saying, hey, let's have a measuring contest sells fights. And that's what TDP did, man. He, he he pulled it out and said, let's see who's his bigger. African. Um <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's an uphill battle for, for anyone. But regardless of that, man, he left it out out there in the octagon, beat a great opponent. And I'm going to I'm gonna tune in regardless, man. I love Izzy. And it is WWE style. I appreciate you saying that, Kev. That's exactly what I was thinking is that that's everyone, it's a story where they're selling the story. You know, that's what people want to hear. Have a villain, have a have a hero. That's what it's all about here, man. We love it. As long as it's getting eyeballs on on the sport. Getting butts in the seats. Let's go. Yeah, it's going to make it happen. Eyes in the sports, butts in seats. Like, that's what matters, folks. That's what we all are here for, anyways. Come on. Like, we all want the same shit. We all want to see exciting fights. And, you know, if you can sell the fight, hype it up, and make it even more exciting to build it up, we're here for that, too. So uh, give it to us, inject it into my veins, and uh, let's, let's keep it rolling on. Moving into the co main event of the evening, we had Brandon. The Assassin Baby, a.k.a. McLovin Moreno, coming in against Alessandra Pantoja. Um, I mean, bruh. Like, like this fight was insane. Um, Brandon Moreno came one. in there with broken bones. Just what a stud. I think he had a broken arm coming into it. Alessandra Pantoja came in there, and, and again, it was a very close fight. It was pretty razor thin. Um... Biggest differentiator is the takedowns. He had two, two for four versus six for 11. But again, 50% takedown accuracy versus 54%. Control was, I think, a little bit more in the favor of Alessandra Pantoja. But as far as total strike numbers, it was 167 to 161 in favor of Moreno. 147 to 129 significant strikes in favor of Moreno. Um, 
I'm not crying controversy at all. I, I, I did see Pantoja winning the fight. If you score it by round, Pantoja won the fight for sure. But, man, hell of a fight. Very, very close one. Yeah, it was it was razor thin. Uh, two warriors in the division. Another instant classic, man. It feels like every time Brandon Moreno's in there, it's just another instant classic. They can't do no wrong. It's like Dr. Dre in there or something. I don't know. Something about him, man. It, it's fun to watch. I feel bad for him. My heart goes out to him. I want to see Brandon be champ forever. But as we see in the UFC, man, a long title reign is is just few and far between. You know, I mean, you're lucky to have a defense in there. You're blessed to even get the title, let alone keep it, stay at the top, man. Everyone's uh, buying at the bit. And that's what Alessandre Pantoja did here, right? He was someone that's always been, in a way, Brandon's Achilles heel. Uh, he's beat him. He's had his number. He came in, felt like he was coming with the, that chip on his shoulder, a little bit more uh, violence, a little more for veracity and in his approach. Even in the stare downs, you just kind of felt like he had more to lose than Brandon Moreno did. Brandon left it all out there. Again, the injury that come into light is absolutely bonkers to, to think that he went through that war of 25 minutes, put on that kind of performance with that kind of injury. One arm, Crazy. essentially. Yeah, one arm, but was letting them both fly. Like you said, 160 strikes, 147 significant strikes landed. Dude was a savage, but like you said, the control time, um, with Pantoja having double the amount of control time and triple the amount of takedowns, and that being six to, Pan to Brandon's two. At the end of the day, you know, I, I don't have any... Uh, I, don't, I don't feel... I agree with the decision. I didn't feel like uh, Brandon was robbed in any way. I think Alexandre definitely won it. He was winning those exchanges. He looked like, again, the more violent fighter, the one that was pressing forward. And just had more for for what Brandon was able to provide, um, and I'm excited. Another Brazilian champion. There was not one for a little while there for a short uh, instance in time. There was no uh, Brazilian champ. Excited for him. Um, you know, hearing some of his stories, he was like an Uber driver uh, just before, like I think, or after he beat. Um, Brandon Moreno, I think a few years ago, he was like just an Uber driver. So hearing his story coming up to the top now, excited for that. And it sounds like in terms of what's next for the champ, I mean, not a lot of names up there. He already beat Figueroa, um, Amir Abazi's maybe someone, but Brandon Hoyval was the, the backup fighter. So maybe he's the guy that is uh, up next for another uh, contender fight there. What yeah, do you think? I mean, I I definitely wouldn't be mad at that. Um, I mean, there's, like you said, there's not a ton of options. I think the best ones are probably Brandon Royval, Amir Albazi, and Brandon Moreno. Um, that being said, again, I'm I'm not really mad at any of those options. Uh, being completely, being completely honest with you, I just started a poll in the Yahoo or not the Yahoo, the YouTube chat. Um, if you want to vote on that, definitely do. Just curious to see who you guys think would be the best option for uh, our, our guy here to fight. So, that being said, um, if I had to choose, I mean, he just beat Moreno for the third time, and that's tough. I don't want to see Moreno have to like climb his way back up from the very bottom, but um, I, I also wouldn't be mad at some fresh blood getting a shot at the championship. So, Amir Albazi or Brandon Roy Val, maybe even Kai Kara France. I mean, um, 
Kaikar France was that was a razor close decision against Amir Albazi. Um, some people actually thought that he won that fight. Loki, I was a little bit split on it. I actually thought that he lost that fight. I, um, or sorry, I thought Amir Albazi won that fight, not Kaikar France. Um, man, I think Amir Albazi proves the biggest threat for him. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, kind of a. Uh... You know, two hard rocks, two hard forces mean together there in the sense that both have a really strong ground game. Both have this sort of like pressure to their fighting style where they, they get on top of you, they smother you, or they just rain down some heavy shots with purpose. That'd be a really fun one. It's a new name. It's it's something fresh, right? Mix it up a little bit, you know, because it does feel like in this division, it's a lot of people who have already sort of fought each other or have kind of cross pollinated a little bit. Let's get this guy Amir, you know, the 17 and one young up and comer. Let's get him uh, his sh- time to shine. And again, he, he had the razor thin performance over Kaikar France, who lost no stock in my book. But again, it's a short list of um, elite contenders here in this top 10 that I'm looking at. Yeah. And I mean, right now, um, as of right now, we've got 100% of the votes going for Amir Albazi on the, the poll. So go ahead and end that there uh looks like everybody that was in the uh chat voted on that so Amir Bazi it is folks moving into the main event of the evening the main event of the evening we had Alexander the Great Volkanovsky coming in against Yarir Rodriguez this fight did not go how I thought it was going to go uh not at all um Alexander Volkanovsky is the great for a reason, man. And uh, I, I thought that coming up in weight class and then jumping back down like that was going to take a, t- a bit of a toll on his gas tank, possibly. That simply was not the case. He just looked bigger and stronger and uh, like he probably could have lasted even longer. So the man's an absolute stud. Um, it went exactly as the Black Hotto thought it would go with, and, and probably exactly as a, a lot of people thought it would go, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you. Seven takedowns landed out of 12 attempted. Um, he made it a wrestling fight. He sliced and diced him when he was on top of him with the wrestling. The ground and pound was absolutely noteworthy. Absolutely disgusting on display. Um, I guess, what were your thoughts on the fight? Uh, did you see it playing out that way? And God, what's next for your rear? I know my heart was torn, you know, uh, being Mexican native, being someone that was rooting and coming off that Brandon loss. I thought, oh, no, you know, it all comes down to Yadier. Uh was a little worried. I did have him in my DraftKings. I thought maybe he can score a lot of points in terms of the kicks, maybe land a takedown or something, stretch it out. He did the best he could. You know, I, I give him nothing but credit. Um, frankly, after a while, although he was, you know, showed his speed, showed his ability to keep Volk guessing. Um, land some of those calf kicks, land some of the leg kicks, um, have the, the you know beautiful spinning kicks, the variety, but a lot of it just wasn't landing. Volk knew exactly where to be. Volk displayed why he is Alexander the Great. I mean, pound for pound right now, he's the guy. When it's all said and done, I think we're going to look back and say, honestly, if this dude, if you could, you know, I don't know, if, we're, if the human race had to fight the aliens and we had to get one fighter to replicate it's probably gonna be alexander volkanovsky you know make him yeah. six six two eighty but again i mean th- that guy in almost maybe three or four divisions i feel like he can go stretch across and and be a contender the guy's phenomenal continues to separate himself and and that's what he did i mean t- 
to kind of get a little technical, I mean, again, we're, I'm not a guru here by any means. I'm not a coach. But just the way he was able to kind of cut angles, make Yadier feel uncomfortable when he you know, felt a, a spinning or a big leg kick was coming, he would get inside, land the... Um, land a uh, strike on the jaw. He would land a strike on the body. He would take him down. I mean, that finishing sequence was textbook, right? Landing the inside hook, getting him up against the cage, rip the body, go upstairs, uppercut, grab the legs, treat him like a dummy and just smother him. I mean, it was again, hard to watch as a Mexican, you know, uh, fighter uh, fan over here. But again, greatness was displayed. Yadier did the best he could. And that's someone that would give, a lot of guys at this one uh, 45 pound division problems. Yadier is, is trouble for anybody there. And Volk found a way to make it look easy. It's crazy. Uh, he's a savage, man. I'm, I'm curious to hear your breakdown a little bit, but he impressed the hell out of me. And, and I didn't think I could keep getting impressed by him. Yeah. I mean, um, I got to say uh, exactly what the Blackado said. And this is exactly what, what my breakdown was going to be. Volkanovsky did exactly what Frankie Edgar did, but better. He used the the Frankie Edgar blueprint for beating Yair Rodriguez, and he just made it completely uh, kiss, right? Keep keep it simple, stupid. Like He made it very, very easy for himself to completely lead the dance at all times. He left himself out of danger. He took him down, controlled him, busted him up, broke down the gas tank, which is arguably one of his biggest uh, kind of strengths is if he could utilize that gas take against you and his explosive striking he completely negated that at an early point in the fight um i thought yair was going to be able to get in and out and i also didn't think that the length was so much going to be an issue or the reach was going to be an issue so much as i thought that the styles matching up was going to be an issue for volkanovsky volk does this thing where he shuffles in very much like josh emmett does and in the josh emmett fight yair was able to completely negate that by lift knees and just posting off of him with those i didn't see those at all in this fight uh, and it's because the takedowns were far just more prevalent and the leg kicks were also there early on from Volkanovsky and, and those, those paid dividends. So beautiful game plan, even more beautiful execution of the game plan. And, uh, I, I already have a poll going right now in the chat for who should be next for Yair. And I mean, the two names that I have in there are Arnold Allen and Ilya Tapuria because, and I know what you're thinking. Ilya Teporia is supposed to fight Alexander Volkanovsky for the belt, but that's just not going to happen. Alexander Volkanovsky is going to go up and challenge Islam again. Ooh. They did have the face-off. I don't know if you saw that after when Volk was walking out. He asked Ilya to come out. Let's have a little face-off, right? Maybe just yeah. wanted that moment. Maybe, you know, Volk just saw it as a good opportunity. Maybe for, you know, put it in the back pocket, something down the road, like you mentioned there. Um I mean, yeah, Volk has all the leverage, right? He can sit back and kick his feet up and say, hey, somebody come earn it. Although we can make a case, you know, Ilya did. But that's where, again, I mean, hey, put put uh, Yadier back in there or maybe a Max Holloway against um, Ilya. Although I think Max, did he already agree to Korean Zombie? Is that already in the books? Uh, yes. Okay, well then, so Max is off because, again, that's kind of the title contender eliminator, I feel like, is Max. Yeah. That's where it all end all be all. Um, but you know, I'm sorry, I have to address this. Blackado says Ortega and Yair need to run it back. I disagree, man. <sighs> I mean, it was a short fight. And he got out jujitsu. Like That's that wasn't a, a freak accident. If you try to armbar me and I defend and snap your shit, I beat you at jujitsu. Yeah, you I mean, lost you at jujitsu. I lost. And if I'm yeah. a striker and you're a jujitsu guy, 
and I beat you at jujitsu, I'm sorry. We have no fucking business rematching me, bro. You're done. <laughs> um, let Ortega do something, literally anything to prove himself because I haven't seen anything from him in some time. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think that he's the same fighter that we thought he was. And I don't think that a rematch with Ayer is going to run any differently. I just think we're going to watch him take a lot of unnecessary damage against a very high-level striker that he avoided that damage from in the first fight. Yeah. Not a lot of names up there. People are coming off losses. It's it's a tough one. I mean, Ortega's there, but it feels like he's hanging on by a thread. Um, at, on that three spot, I should say. You know, Ilya's uh, buying at the bit. It's tough. I mean, Max, he does fight Korean Zombie in a month. If he goes out there and puts an easy work, I mean, maybe you do make Max against Ilya. Maybe you wait a little bit. I don't know if Ayer's going to want to get right back in there after being the champ, after having a couple uh, quick fights back-to-back, right? He fought Josh Simon not too long ago. Um, that'd be a fun one. I just want to see Max fight again. I think Max is the guy. If it's not Volk, it's Max, you know? And oh, Ilya's yeah. right there as well. But I'll tell you what, Max and Ilya boxing, wee. That'd be a fun Sign one. Sign me up. Sign, Sign me up. up. Let's go. Inject uh, yeah, it in my veins. That'd be a really, really fun one, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely be here to watch that. I think it'd be a really fun fight. And again, Alexander Volkanovsky, he holds all the power. He can choose whoever the hell he wants to fight. He can fight Islam at lightweight. He can stay here and run it with whoever he wants to. But he's already basically cleaned out everybody not named Ilya Taporia in the top 10. So... Did Volk say he's going to take some time off because he uh, had a little hand thing or something, right? Didn't he say... Or a shoulder. I think he's going to take a little shoulder? bit of time off his shoulder, yeah. Um, mm. Which, shoulder injuries are definitely a pain in the butt. They definitely take some time to heal. So, let him take all the time off that he needs to take off. Uh, so, I wonder if he's going to wait. Himself. Absolutely. He's going to wait for Islam. He's going to wait for Islam. Say, well, so, that's the thing. Is is Charles in line for Islam? Or is Islam going to kick back and wait? They'll, Charles already said that he wanted to wait until a later date because he's not going to be ready by the date they want to give him for Islam in Abu Dhabi. When's Abu Dhabi? I want to say it's October. When's Gaethje and Dustin? That's not next week, but the week after. Oh, and oh, that's the end of this month. Yeah, October twenty-one is Abu Dhabi. Oh, I'll tell you what, I think the winner of that probably gets Islam, huh? And then yeah. in Abu Dhabi. That's that's my thought. And goddamn, dude, if Dustin Poirier goes to Abu Dhabi and writes the wrong that he had against Khabib, I will literally cry. Oh, that'd be fun. That'll be the only person that I wouldn't be upset uh, watching beat Islam. Now that I know that Dustin's fighting this month, I'm going to have to get some of his Crayole maple. Is that one on the market yet? I hope it is because I'm going to try the that Creole one. Crayole maple? So. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I have nice. it in my fridge. It's hella good. Nice. That's next. With it. Ooh, there we go. That. I'm, that's, yes, doing that for show. Chicken and waffles, baby. Um, well, let's go. Yeah. So, speaking of which, I'm going to take out some pork chops to thaw so I can fry some pork chops tomorrow. Nice. Speaking of. Sorry. Yeah, completely, completely unrelated to MMA. Um, sometimes that happens here. So that being said, that is UFC 290. But we did have to have a little bit of tough talk because that's the reason we go live at this time. Uh, so in this week's episode of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, I mean, it was, it was a hell of an episode, if I'm being completely honest. But we are just one episode away from watching a completely clean sweep of Team McGregor. Um, Jason Knight versus Landon Quinones was the, the kind of tale of the tape for tonight. Curious to hear what your thoughts were on that. 
how did you see that fight going before we watched it? But actually, before then, are you, or do you want to do a little shot? Should we do a shot for Conor McGregor since he's just having such a tough fucking run of things? He is, huh? Let's uh, take a shot to the prospects in the UFC. It's, uh, you know, they say it's a young man's game, but boy, is that uh, looking quite contrary here. I would say it's uh, it's not necessarily the man with the best body or best gas tank, but the man with the best fight IQ and or experience. So I'll drink to those uh, uh, finding success on the back end of their 20s and on their early 30s. Salute to them. <laughs> A little Ireland action there with the shot glass. Cheers, folks. <sighs> Ooh. Well, we're getting that down. Yeah, uh, my initial thoughts felt like... Uh, they're hyping it up on like you know the biggest trash talker and Landon Quinones getting in there for Team McGregor. Can he be the first one to win? A lot of animosity coming off that last episode. My thought was, you know, how are they going to look going into it? Is Connor going to be fired up? You know, what what's the gossip at the house going to be? They showed a little bit of that. Um, you know, and, and it, it sort of rubs some of the fighters the wrong way, at least for Team Chandler, which we do see a little bit of that tea kettle effect going uh, on the last episode here at least for the um, initial rounds of fights. If we look at the preview for next week, we saw a little bit of that tea kettle, like I mentioned. Uh, but Connor was on a heater, man. I don't know. He, he seemed to come in guns blazing, wanting to blow off some steam against those prospects, uh, training with Landon. Uh, uh, what, the third time we've watched him drop one of his own teammates with a buddy? Yeah, I was curious to hear your thoughts. It's like, come on. You know I mean? I, I'm all for you, you know, trying to get him a good, honest session. The liver kick, I think even just his energy and coming in is like, I need to get this, you know, need to get something off my chest. Whatever he was saying, it just felt like, okay, really just feels like you're frustrated. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's like. That's when you go to a pro fight uh, sparring session, not not an amateur fight session or a team sparring session where you're supposed to be getting these guys sharp. Like you're not sharpening iron when you're swinging your sword as hard as you possibly can. It's martial arts. Break. Yeah, it's martial arts 101, right? I mean, that's rule number one. If anything, you know, you don't fight out of uh, emotion. So it was a little bit of that. You know, was that the best way to learn? Is that the best way to teach? You know, maybe teaching the body, right? When he ate that liver shot, I'm sure he thought, okay, damn. And he mentioned that being one of the better lessons. You're not going to say it's not. Obviously, I think that's kind of just... He just wanted to say that so he didn't seem like a pussy on TV. That's exactly what happened. And it's like, I get that. You know, I was in a locker room. We all played sports. You know, you take a good lick. Yeah, hey, I earned that one. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you don't. No one likes getting their bell rung. You, you see stars. Your head hurts after. It's not ideal. You forget the play. Yeah. It's like, you know, no one loves that. But you move on. Um, but what were some of your thoughts? I mean, honestly, going into it, I, I wanted to lean Landon a little bit more. I thought, okay, his youth. I thought, you know, he didn't look great anywhere. But then the more you learn about Jason, the more the experience you've seen, the more that Chandler was training with him in Florida. I thought, okay, well, this is starting to feel like he's just going to go in there and dog walk him. What'd yeah. you think? I mean, I, I knew that Jason Knight was going to win this fight. Uh, as soon as the season started, I think I made a joke saying that Jason Knight might come back and win this whole thing. I, I, I literally, I said Jason Knight and Kurt Hollibach. Like, those are the two names that I picked in the very beginning of this. And I could see either one of those guys winning the whole fucking season. Like, they're, they're both studs. They're both absolute beasts. They're fun to watch. Uh, and, and they're good guys. Like, they're really good guys. They're genuinely nice dudes, and you love to see that in this sport. Um, Jason Knight, though, as much of a good guy as he is, as soon as that cage door closes behind him, he changes into something else. He becomes a dog. Um, and, I mean, like, real talk. Like, the guy is an absolute dog. 
Um, so the Black Hato says he thinks Landon got too aggressive too quickly. I'm actually going to completely. I, I'm going to oh. disagree. Oh, I completely disagree. I think when you're fighting a dog, the worst thing you can do is give that dog a chance to get riled up in his own his own manner. The best thing you can do is bring it to him and burn that dog. Swack, whack him in the fucking face with a rolled up newspaper. You know what I mean? Don't give him a chance to even snarl at you. I like um, that. You establish meet fire with dominance. fire. Yeah, you meet fire with fire because as soon as he sees that there's even a, a second in you where he can, he can have that edge, he's going to take that edge from you and he's going to take it. And as you said so eloquently, he's going to fucking dog walk you, bro. And that's exactly what Jason and I went in there and did. Um, when they first connected, I thought Landon looked like he had the right attitude. Whenever they were weighing in and he like started getting kind of cheeky, chat, like talking shit to him a little bit. Like, ooh, you looking small, boy. Um, going from like nice guy in the pool the day before cutting weight to, oh, you're looking a little bit small there, boy, uh, on the on the scales. I thought that was a smart play. Like, you got to get inside of his head. You got to do whatever you can because he's a veteran. And he's sneaky good. There's no reason he should have been cut from the UFC other than getting mismatched and fed to the dogs way too early. Um, and he mentioned partying. He mentioned not being focused. Those are some sure. notes I put that, okay, is that going to come back to bite him? Is he focused? Is I mean, maybe not partying as much. I yeah. think he's focused now. He has yeah. a family, and and he, he like he saw what would happen if he doesn't get focused, right? Like he he will very well lose everything that he's worked on and, and worked to build. Oh, um, he's been there. He's lost it all. He's been to prison. Been he's, uh, he's been at the bottom. Now he's here. He, he's been there, and now he's back. And uh, again, with somebody that's literally that sharp and that scary, I think you got to get aggressive even faster. I think the second the bell rings, you got to get in their face. You got to smoke them and you got to hurt them. Um, I think the worst thing that Landon did in that fight was when he ate, I think it was a three-piece combo or maybe a quick two-piece combo and then one that like slivered past and missed. But either way, um, Jason Knight uncorked a three-piece combo on him. And as soon as he ate it, he kind of like took a back step. And in that back step, he created enough space for Jason Knight to turn him out and get him on the cage and just start opening up on him. That was the beginning of the end. You could hear the gloves just fucking just connecting dude even if they weren't the prettiest strikes you'll ever see even if they weren't connecting on the right spots of the face necessarily bro if i punch you in the wrong spot of the face i still punch you in the face and i promise i'm happier than you are in that moment i promise so that was the situation what happens when you're getting lit up in the face and you don't like it you're either going to start lighting them back up or you're going to go for a takedown he went for a takedown because he thought that would be the lesser of two evils when in reality, he had a much better shot if he would have just swung and banged with him and and, and just traded fire with fire in, in hopes of maybe getting a knockout before Jason Knight knocked him out. That would have been the smarter play. And instead, he was just overconfident in a skill that he didn't possess that Jason Knight did, and that's superior grappling. Yeah, and that ended real quick, man. I mean, before I blink, good thing I didn't look away. I would have missed the the ending there, right? I'm thinking, and I, I'm writing notes, and that's how quick it was. I'm writing notes. Oh, Landon uh, got to get take or good strikes back and forth. Landon got to get takedown. Next bullet point, I look up. I'm like, and it's over, <laughs> and, and it's over. Yeah, Gilly. And like you said, he overextended. You know, got overconfident. Literally, just felt like I, I don't know what he was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to go for a punch, but it felt like maybe either. Throw for a puncher to posture up, but left his arm out there. And hey, man, like a shark in the water, you smell a little blood, you're going to take it. And that's what Jason Knight did. Yeah. You I see mean, a limb there, you, you know he's in position, got that triangle in super quick. That that thing was sunken in super fast. Next thing you know, you're, you're gasping for air and you're thinking, well, there goes that. It was at that moment he realized he messed up. 
And let me tell you, like literally, I, I did uh, my first no gi jujitsu class at Victory MMA today. Shout out Victory, incredible gym. We'll definitely be going back again this week multiple times, God willing. Um, and our, our coach James, he was literally going over triangle chokes. Um, and after like the reason that I, I I watched the first twenty minutes of the episode, literally like in the shower slash while I was uh, finishing driving home, I pulled it up on my phone. Don't tell the police. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, like he was literally teaching us triangle chokes after class, and uh, he asked me before he started like running the the demonstration on everyone. He's like, "Hey, do you want to be my test?" And I was like, "Sure." And um, it, it's very quick when it sinks in, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't like it. It's it's just weird. You just know that if you don't tap, you're going to wake up at some point. Um, yeah, it doesn't take a lot of pressure. It doesn't take a lot of discomfort. It's you just instantaneous, know. Just yeah. The instantaneous feeling of strangulation from a triangle choke, whether it's an arm triangle or, or, or a leg triangle, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. And the fact that it's not like a lot of these other chokes where like a guillotine, you're stabbing with the blade here up underneath, right? So like, you feel that sharpness. You feel that bone digging a little bit. Um, whereas with a triangle choke, oftentimes like it's, it's you know you have the shoulder if it's an arm triangle, and you have the leg if it's a leg triangle, and it's like soft tissue. So it's I don't I don't I don't know a better way to describe it, but it's just weird, and it doesn't feel like it should put you away or hurt the way that it hurts or put you away because it's like this soft piece of flesh on you, and you're just like oh I'm getting choked out. Uh, have I ever been to sleep, Kev, my guy? Oh man, yes, I've definitely been put to sleep <laughs> um, quite a few times before I started training at actual gyms. I like three times was put to sleep from not tapping out, and then once I started training at a gym, I think I only went to sleep once um, because those guys are scary when they get you in a hold. The one time I did go to sleep was at AKA uh, on just a, a rolling day or like a sparring day when we were doing full sparring. So you you could do MMA, you could do grappling, you could do striking. I was Mister Muay Thai and. Uh, Man, I, it's not that I was trying to be too proud, and I did not want to go to sleep. I was just trying to fight the submission up until I had literally like nothing left to fight it with, and then I just woke up with old boy like, "You okay? <laughs> you there? You there?" And I'm like, I'm, "Oh wow!" Well. Um, you go back yeah. for a choke, like I got him. You're like, no, nope, <laughs> like, somebody shoot in on a single, like you saw him. <laughs> you got him. Like, it's over. It's over, bro. You've been out for like thirty seconds. Um, no, I've definitely been asleep numerous times. 10 out of 10, do not recommend. Uh, just, just tap out. Uh, it, it's safer. It's smarter, uh, especially if you're going with a fucking white belt that won't let go and doesn't know to. Um, you know, that's how you die. So definitely tap out. Uh, you know, there's either, there, there's rules in jujitsu. You either tap, nap, or snap, right? Uh, if it's a ligament or an arm or, or a bone, you don't tap, something's going to get snapped. And uh, if it's a choke, take a little nap. Um, which it's is a good motto. Yeah, tap, nap, or snap. So I, I personally prefer to tap. It's definitely the lesser of all evils. I hear that. And, uh, we saw that happen tonight uh, with the man, the myth, the legend, Landon Quinones. Um, He's a young kid, though. Definitely not the end of his MMA tenure, MMA career, MMA dream, if you will. Um, I, I do think he could possibly have UFC potential, but definitely not right now. I mean, the, the kid is... Very, very young, and it shows in his inexperience. His fight IQ is not where it needs to be. Uh, but again, he's a kid. Um, get him in like LFA 
or, or maybe even like uh, like some of the undercard stuff of the PFL, like their development wing. Um, if they have a development wing like the UFC, I think that'd be a smart play for them. Definitely not a UFC caliber fighter right now. However, Jason the Kid Knight, uh, I definitely could see him back in the UFC and honestly being a big problem for a lot of the fighters currently in that division. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, these prospects versus vets, you know, sometimes the age gap is big. Sometimes it's not, right? I mean, Landon, 27 years old, um, still young. I mean, 27 years young uh, with less than 10 fights under your belt. Maybe benefit him to go, even go to another organization or, you know, something like an LFA or, hey, if you go to PFL or go somewhere, maybe try to get three, four fights and, you know, over, um, I guess, per year, over the next year or two, right? Stack up some victory, stack up some octagon experience, some time in there see different opponents that might benefit them a lot more. So you look at someone like a Jason Knight, you know, only three years older, 30 years old, but the man had 30 fights. I mean, anyway, you cut it. I mean, if you're that active, I don't care if you're fine tin cans, that's you're going to, you're going to be better. You do something 30 times, yeah, and, you do it. And 10, let me tell you, he's not a tin can crusher. He's a, he's a man crusher. He's, yeah. He's had some good performances and, you know, again, still able to, I mean, have decent uh, success and was partying and doing things outside the odds that he should have been doing, right? I mean, if he is actually focused and dialed in, this guy's the limit for the kid. Um, but again, I think a lot of these prospects can learn a lot, whether it's, you know, if you feel you have some of those skills, you want to test yourself, hey, go right back in, maybe try to get into a, a, you know, a UFC one fight deal or take a fight on short notice if you can. But I think a lot of them would benefit from trying to go to an organization where they could fight three, four, five times a year for the next couple of years. And then, hey, you're going to come back in. Maybe you're on the back end of your 30s. Maybe you're not a spring chicken anymore, but you're going to have a lot more tools in the toolbox. I think it's going to help you out a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I mean, that's just it. He's a crafty veteran. Tons of tools in the toolbox. Guy's an absolute beast, and he's, he's really good where it counts, which is fucking everywhere. <laughs> he's got a great fight IQ. He's got incredible grappling, and the only thing better than both of those things is a stand up and grit. Um, the man does not mind taking a punch to give a punch back. And he, for that fact of the matter, he doesn't mind taking five to give five back. So he's that guy. Um, he's a tough matchup for anybody that he does end up getting paired up with. The The big thing now is just if, if this next fight goes exactly how the rest of them have, which likely is probably going will. to be the case. It probably it's the number will. one process, number one vet against, you know, the lowest ranked prospect. Oh boy. <laughs> Not looking good. Not looking good. Yeah. I mean, we got Hunter Azor coming in against Rico Desculio. Like, I, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know anything about Rico Desculio, but I know Hunter Azor. And I know Hunter Azor had no business getting cut from the UFC when he did. The guy was on like a one-fight losing streak. Um, like, come on. It's like, dude, I mean, he looks solid. He looks all around pretty scary, for being honest. Yeah, coming yeah. off a win in the UFC. Um actually no i'm yeah. sorry it's fusion fight league i'm looking at something Coming off else a here win in fusion fight league but i mean again what i said was, was a loss uh, to jack shore which i mean again, jack shore's a dog off to a loss to jack shore and before that he had a win over cole smith before that it was a loss to fucking brian kelleher oh and the one of the first people that he beat in the ufc sorry the first person he beat in the ufc was brad katona another guy another dog you imagine on team? If those two get matched up against each other if he wins oh what a grudge match that would be huh Oh, there's a lot of fun fights. I will say, y'all, if, if you know, maybe you're disappointed with how the season's gone so far. 
the back end of the season with these vets on vets are going to be like prelim or main card on a fight night worthy. They're going to be some fun about, fights here. How about Conor McGregor and his whole his whole uh, staple of fighters having to stay in the house but not be able to compete and have to still just watch Chandler ah, win? That's brutal. Well, Conor was definitely served. A, he was served a big piece of humble pie this last fight. You could just tell. I mean, he. You know, the I think, look on uh, his face when he asked what happens if if they run the house, and then Dana has to say, "I don't know. It's never happened." It's like, yeah, we figure it out. Maybe they go to their team. I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. Like, that is. You go home and we don't need you anymore. Yeah, it's tough. And then even when the guy's walking out and he's like, "And one more," and you get what? What'd you say? To uh, Jason Knight, you know, Connor kind of checks him as he's walking out. He's like, Oh, I'm just yeah. saying one more fight. He's like, No disrespect, you know. But even in that exchange, it's like Connor, I think his ego came out a little bit, but he's able to check himself. He ate that humble pie. He's like, You know what? I'm just losing. And yeah, yeah. genuinely, he's like concerned, like, What do we do? What do I do? Like, what do I <laughs> like, like? Are we done? What we, I, is like, that it? Am I, yeah, is this over? Do I, do I paid lose? the same amount for my time here and I just don't have to film anything for the next six months? <laughs> I, I feel bad for the man it's tough i mean it's it's levels man it shows uh practice you know it shows if you have that experience it goes a long way it truly does man uh experience is everything and i think the conor mcgregor having the first pick and choosing the inexperienced team uh it just it says a lot about kind of where his mind's at and the i would say the lack of planning for the season if i'm being completely honest like he Put himself in this position there's nobody to blame but himself and after choosing the more inexperienced team i gotta say it doesn't seem like he's doing a ton of work to make them any more experienced other than beating the shit out of them and sparring every once in a blue moon um he's not showing up to spar he's not showing up to weigh-ins he's not showing up for negotiations and he's not really there for his team again he's beating the hell out of him and sparring i've seen him drop at least three guys three episodes of body kicks it good for him. Like if your body kicks are coming out that good to fight a UFC guy and do that, can't wait to see it. But I don't know if Chandler's that guy. Not that guy, pal. No, <laughs> you're not that guy, pal. <laughs> not that guy, pal. Uh, so that being said, that was this week's episode of the ultimate fighter. Um, we will definitely have another episode here on Thursday going over the UFC card that is coming up. Honestly, it's, it, it might be the only card all year that is almost as good as UFC 290. We have a crazy stellar headliner between Holly Holmes coming in against Myro Buena Silva. Obviously, no sarcasm here. Uh, co-main event, Albert Duraev versus Park Jun Young. The turtle, or the iron turtle, I believe. Uh, Walt Harris looks to finally bounce back from this crazy loss streak that he's had uh, after just a really just bad year in general. Um, sorry for your loss again, Walt. Coming in against Josh Parisian, who, if you don't know who that is, um, he has a Netflix special called I Am the Machine under a different name, Burt Kirshner. No, I'm just kidding. He does look a lot like Burt Kirshner, though. Um, he looks like Burt Kirshner, the fighter, instead of Burt Kirshner, the comedian. Burt Kreischer? That's hilarious. Burt Kreischer, yeah. Um, Josh Parisian. He hella looks like him, bro. I'm he does. You. 100% does. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. You cannot see it. <laughs> what you do with <laughs> he the hella looks like him, bro. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, and that's all I see whenever I watch him fight. So uh, always comedic, even if it's a good fight. And then before that, we got Norma Dumont, um, a.k.a. Cakes. Uh, and I, not my words, Laura Sanko's words. She's like, damn, Norma Dumont got really good cakes. Um, coming <laughs> in against Chelsea Chandler, not to be confused with Chelsea Handler, the comedian. Bunch of comedians on this card, folks. 
and, and before then, we got Ottoman Potato Head Zaitar. Of course, that's not his real nickname, folks, but he did get cut from the UFC for sneaking a bag into a hotel in Abu Dhabi. And when I say sneaking a bag into a hotel, I mean he had a young man sneak out and then multiple stories up to sneak this bag in. After getting cut from the UFC, he said it wasn't steroids. There was nothing crazy in the bag. It was just potatoes. Um, potatoes. Which, oh. which just makes the story even that much more fucking batshit. So the Mr. Potato Head's coming in against Francisco Prado. And then somehow before that, starting off the, the main card, we have Nassim Sadikov coming in against Terrence McKinney. Not sure why Terrence McKinney is not higher up on this card. Could use some name value. Um the craziest thing of all is that right now, unless they change this, which I fuck, I'm assuming they're going to change this for sure in the next couple of days, folks. On the prelims, we have Jack Della Maddalena fighting this weekend. Um, those of you that know know that he had a fight fall off. It was his third opponent that fell off uh, on your international fight week. He had already been in Vegas for I think three to four weeks, prepping, getting ready, uh, acclimating to Vegas air and such. And uh, his opponent pulled out, not because he was scared or anything like that, because he got UFC medicals and they found out that he had a rare condition in his brain and that he actually needed brain surgery because he has like closed off capillaries and such. So what a relief wild. that they did that. I mean, it kind of yeah. in a it way saved, saved his, his life. life. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So the UFC saved that guy's life. Um, hopefully he lives to fight another day. Fingers crossed that the surgery goes super well. Um yeah, I mean, to, to be completely honest, like all jokes aside, the stacking of this card is what's the weirdest thing. Like, there's some decent names on here: Tyson Nam, uh, Jack De La Maddalena, Austin Lingo, Tucker Lutz. But they're all in the prelims, so they have to shift the the kind of stacking of this card. I think there's no way this is the final bout order. I think they're just like I don't know why they're waiting until last minute to change it. But either way, BBD. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those cards where realistically, there's a lot more to be happy about than there is to be upset about. It's the card after International Fight Week. It's the card after the biggest pay-per-view of the year. It's supposed to be a little weak, and it's also a free card. So um, we'll give you a reason to be excited about it on Thursday when we go through, break down our favorite fights on that fight card, as well as our favorite bets and picks. And uh, honestly, we cannot wait to see all you guys there. We appreciate you dropping by today, hopping in the chat, saying what's up. Um, big, big shout-out to Kiai for joining. He's he's not an all-the-time guy, but we appreciate it when he is here. Cousin Kev. My guy, always appreciate having you in the chat, bringing the laughs, bringing the fun emojis. And, of course, the Black Hotto. He's he's a regular here in the chat. We love him. Uh, appreciate make sure you, all. you follow Absolutely. all these folks online. If you're not following me, I am at MMA Anomaly across all platforms. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, smash that bell for notifications. And then we got Nano over here. If you're not following him already, what are you even doing with yourself, folks? Come on now. At Jive Turkey Talk. Make sure you give this guy a follow on Twitter. Soon coming with the Fantasy Football Channel for the YouTubes. Stay tuned. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I get to make a guest spot on there. As maybe oh, we'll, be we'll be making and, it happen. We'll be making it happen. Come on. Yeah, man. We look forward to seeing you guys on Thursday. And same time, same place. We'll be here at 8 o'clock on Thursday. Can't wait to see you all then. And until then, keep the passion for mixed martial arts alive, folks. See you then. 